0: Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Vicini. We're presented by The Athletic today on the show. The Swing Cash to my Mark Tatum. It's Matthew Penny. <laughs> Penny, I know you saw Swing Cash, just disgusted. Whenever Mark Tatum pulled out that 10th card and it was the New Orleans Pelicans.
1: I did. It was pure disgust. And I, I personally, I feel like this is a postgame interview right now. So I'm glad you're grabbing my thoughts from the jump because I, I still have nerves like I was somehow involved in the process and it wasn't at all. And also like the selection show being virtual, I thought it lost some of that pomp and circumstance. But at least now we do have somewhat solid team draft positions and can stop using Tankathon every other day. We have some answers.
0: So, so here's why I'm stressed. Because right as the lottery was happening, Laura and I, who are moving into a new house on Monday, got a call from our attorney, basically like throwing a rundown of like all the numbers we owe and like wanted to speak on the phone. And then our (laughs) internet provider (laughs) at the new house, Telstra, decided to call Laura immediately. So Laura's trying to loop me in right at 830 Eastern time to try to talk to our internet provider. And oh, yeah, on top of it right now, I am podcasting next to a white garbage bag filled with towels that we've <laughs> washed to, like, go take over to our new house. So the, the amount of stress in this household is very high and palpable. And I'm the same as you. Like, I felt like I was in the middle of this thing. I felt like I was, like, rooting for the Toronto Raptors, rooting for the Detroit Pistons. Like, I was. it was so stressful. I just wanted them all to win because I want them all to have Cade.
1: Uh-oh, I didn't want that. I was, somebody asked me today who I wanted to get the first pick. I said, the Celtics. I said, they don't have one. I said, yeah, not yet. <laughs> it's like, maybe, maybe slide an extra ping pong ball or something there. That's what Celtics need, a big, big facilitating guard. Uh, it was good to, to kind of, again, get some finality to this, or it's, a, it's a good first step. Uh, but yeah, it was just a weird process. Like, I, I, I didn't have a connection to really anything, but so many franchises' futures were on the line and, yeah, maybe you just need like a drum set to release some stress during all this right now, like the big short or something, bang some drumsticks at your desk next to your uh, bag <laughs> of towels and your ever changing background for the Game Theory podcast.
0: Well, the next one's going to be the last one for a while. Like, that is absolutely accurate. Whenever we start, whenever I move there, the plan is to start doing video for the podcast. So you better be ready, by the way, to do video oh, on this show. I, I,
1: I better get my t shirt collection right.
0: Oh, yeah. I've got like five that I'd feel conf- confident like wearing on TV. I've, I spend more of my money on shoes than on t shirts, and I feel like that yeah. needs to be changed. Well, sh-
1: shoes don't really show up. We'll probably get some comment like, is that kid wearing an Undertaker t shirt again? Yes. I, <laughs> I, I actually am. 36 years old, so we're in wrestling shirts. Yeah.
0: So the Detroit Pistons move up. They win. The 2021 NBA Draft Lottery. They're the very obvious winner here. I mean, what is your immediate thought when you see the Detroit Pistons move up to number one?
1: My immediate thought was when Troy Weaver got the general manager job over a year ago. uh, I'm sure he circled Cade Cunningham as a potential culture carrier for what he envisioned the Pistons doing. They went young and sort of tank mode last season but you had those bright spots in Sadiq Bay and Isaiah Stewart both made all rookie teams the franchise has faith in Killian Hayes as a guard of the future he was banged up had some injuries didn't really get to what we envisioned earlier too but Cade Cunningham fits their brand of basketball and what they're trying to build he has that offensive versatility that allows him to fit seamlessly on or off the ball even playing with Killian Hayes and with his vision, his feel, the size, the initiation the point of attack. And I was actually encouraged a little bit, too, for him to split duties as a primary ball handler. And He doesn't have to start the offense or, or force scoring actions every time he touched the ball, kind of like he did at Oklahoma State.
0: So, yeah, there's been a lot of discussion of the Killian Hayes mix with Cade. And part of me really likes it because I think Killian is best as a secondary ball handler. Part of me is like a little bit worried that it'll just result in a lot of perimeter play and a lot of perimeter shots because neither Cade nor Killian is like an incredible athlete, right? They're both good athletes and they're both functional athletes, but like neither of them are wildly explosive, right? Uh, but they're both big. They're both such good defenders. I think that they just bring a lot of gifts to the table that are complementary of one another that I absolutely want to see how it looks from game one next year. You know what I mean?
1: Absolutely. With the pairing there and some pick and roll stuff with Isaiah Stewart, you have Sadiq Bay camped out on the wing there. Jeremy Grant had a great year last year. I like the pieces and I think I like the pieces anywhere around Cade, but even more so I was, I, I, w- I didn't see as a negative that they have Killian Hayes and okay, here comes Kate Cunningham. How are we going to figure it out? seems like it's going to work no matter what.
0: Yeah. And look, at the end of the day, like I had Killian Hayes at number, I think 10 on my board last year. If you get the opportunity to take Cade Cunningham, you don't not do it because you have Killian Hayes. Now, like, look, here's what I'll say. Troy Weaver just did a press conference, right? And according to our James Edwards, they're going to vet, I believe five guys is what Troy Weaver said. So. I think that it's going to be Cade Cunningham. I think that's the most likely outcome here. I think it should be the most likely outcome here. Troy Weaver is someone that does not subscribe to groupthink. You ask someone about him that is like the thing. The people that know him say that he's not going to just do it because he thinks that he's Cade Cunningham is the guy that they should take, right? He's going to do his research. He's going to vet all of these guys and he's going to make the call. I mean, like, I got a couple text messages. I wrote this in the mock draft. Like, I got a couple text messages basically immediately after the draft or after the lottery saying, like, you know, we've heard throughout the year that the Pistons really like Jalen Green. So I think it's gonna be Cade Cunningham. I think it should be Cade Cunningham. Mm. Troy Weaver is a wild card to an extent. A little bit of a wild card. Different yeah, different in a good sense in the way that he goes about evaluating players, and I just I, I want to I don't want to make Detroit Pistons fans that have been wishing for Cade Cunningham all year panic. I absolutely still.
1: Is he not coming here? We were, were praying for this. You're telling me this is not going to happen.
0: This is not a report that they are not taking Cade Cunningham. <laughs> this is not a report that they like Jalen Green better than Cade Cunningham. This is just me saying that I want to learn more before writing it in stone that the Detroit Pistons are going to take. Cade Cunningham at number one basically
1: you're you're not getting your personalized Cade Cunningham Pistons jersey yet is what you're saying you have, to wait, you have to put it on pause
0: right you know just honestly like a Cade Cunningham Pistons jersey even if they do end up going a different direction would be an incredible memorabilia item for once Cade is like oh, making all NBA teams uh but yeah. at the same token I'm just saying like very 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 high odds it's Cade I'm just you know I, I don't know, is the, is my point. I don't know.
1: I don't think any of us really know. And the Pistons are going to do their research. They're going to bring in those five guys, like you said. Cade Cunningham's camp said we will have one workout. it will be with the number one pick in the draft, which I loved. I'm going here. If you can take me or, or not, that's up to you. But I'm working out with one team. And yeah. we've seen similar stuff before. And me in the backyard of Boston, and we've never had the most lottery luck. Going back to, to Tim Duncan and Greg and Kevin Durant. I digress. When they got the number one pick in the draft, they said, fantastic. I love Markel Fultz. He's the guy of the future. And then Danny Ainge went and made a trade. I said, what are you doing? This makes no sense. And Jason Tatum is a fide superstar. So I, I'm with you that the group think doesn't always have to be the – the way or line of thinking, but I I wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if at least they're bouncing stuff off the wall of of things that could work. And you go back now and in retrospect, you can talk to GMs and front office people, some people had Tatum first, even though it's kind of the consensus, I'd say at least online, that Markel Foltz was first. Right. I don't know if I've found anywhere right now that doesn't have Cade Cunningham, the number one overall pick. I would be shocked if he doesn't go first, but it's not a hundred percent like you said, set in stone thing that's done.
0: I'd be totally stunned if he doesn't go first. I also have not talked to anyone who does not have Cade at number one. But, you know, I'm just saying that this is not, like, the most done deal. Like, this is not like 2019 when, like, David Griffin, I don't remember if he said he's taking Zion Williamson on the night of the lottery, but it was very well, it was clear that they were taking Zion Williamson. Uh, I think he's taking him. I think he's taking Cade. But... You know, let's let's see where it goes. Let's uh, let's move forward. Let's go to number two. The Houston Rockets, big winner of the night because they kept their top four pick.
1: So the Rockets have John Wall and Eric Gordon both on the books for a significant chunk of change. It, it would be a best available pick for me. Preferably, I would go in the backcourt for a guy like Jalen Suggs, but I, I wouldn't be shocked by a, an Evan Mobley by a Jalen Green. To me, Suggs just has a, a higher floor than those other two guys. You you know what you are going to get. He. Led Gonzaga to one of the best seasons in program history and in, in the NCAA this year, losing in the national championship game. He can facilitate, he can score, he makes really good reads off pick and roll, loves to play downhill, sees the floor in transition, advances the ball ahead. He, he's a, a perfect fit on on any roster, and I'm just a believer in him being the, the best guy there.
0: Look at this. This is absolutely an Under Armour propaganda move from Matthew Penny going Jalen Suggs at number two.
1: <laughs> Not at all. It, w- it would have been if we had like Minnesota number one and I said, draft the hometown hero from Minnehaha Academy and make it work. Then people would dig into me. But I- I've been-, been a believer in Suggs. He was better this college season than I thought he would be. He put a lot more of the pieces together. So that's just why I, I think that he could be a – a guy that, that makes a, a splash earlier than potentially Mobley, maybe not Jalen Green because he had such a, a great G-League Ignite season, but uh, Suggs is my guy too.
0: No, I'm, I'm actually with you. I would take Jalen Suggs at number two as well. Uh, just the athleticism, I think it would mix really well with Kevin Porter in the backcourt. Uh, his ability to play on-ball defense, I think, would mix really well with Kevin Porter. Uh, his shot-making, his distribution and passing, that would be two guys that can dribble pass create their own shot at the very least, you know, Kevin's jumper is spotty, but I think he'll be a good shooter at some point. Uh, it just be really hard, I think to contain those guys. But uh, having said that, I think Jalen green is a pretty real contender there. I think that Evan Mobley is a pretty real contender. Like if you want to build around a guy and Mobley that can just bring a lot to the table in terms of defense, in terms of shot creation himself, in terms of passing, I'd be interested there. I having said that, like I Evan Mobley is this is this is the kind of part where like you have to start considering like, you know, Evan Mobley is a quieter kid. He's not like a in your face personality. So is that the kind of organization that you're comfortable comfortable building? Are you comfortable um with the people you have around him allowing him to have success and fostering his success long term, is it the best fit for Evan Mobley? Uh, you know, that that's not just a consideration that people on the outside have to consider for, you know, when considering if Evan Mobley fits there, it's a consideration that the organizations themselves have to really, you know, take a look into and decide, you know, are we the organization that can get the most out of evan mobley uh just pure period point blank
1: could be there because maybe his personality it's not as loud and it fits in a locker room that potentially could be louder and he's actually come out of a shell a little bit more in the last year or two throughout the high school ranks his brother isaiah who played with him at usc was kind of more like the mouthpiece for the the brothers collectively totally but evan's tried to be a little bit more outgoing and I think with his play, too, on the court, when when it was actually clicking and going and he's yelling a little bit on blocks and communicating, he's not there yet from, like, an alpha sense, but maybe putting some of those type of players around him can bring out even more of that.
0: Yeah, and I think Evan Mobley's going to be an all-star. I think he's going to be, like, in. A potential all nba player someday so this isn't me criticizing evan mobley i just think that it's interesting when you're trying to create a roster essentially from scratch because there isn't anyone on this houston team that really is a guaranteed piece there christian wood is a really good player he is two years left on his contract kevin porter jr is a wild card in terms of the way that uh he goes about his uh you know but uh, I guess
1: But he gets buckets. Business? Buckets is also our, is also his his business <laughs> because we we talked about ways back. Like, oh, maybe he goes in the G League, averages forty. So he goes in the G League, it averages forty, rolls out, and then has like twenty game in the NBA. The guy can score. We're not gonna. Debate that.
0: Right. So I guess that where I'm at is like this is an important pick, not just from a encore perspective, but also from a culture perspective for Houston. They need the guy that is gonna be the absolute centerpiece of their organization. This guy is going to get every single media request for the organization over the next three <laughs> years, basically, because of how far away they are from competing. So I think that all of that is a factor. And I think Evan Mobley would be great at that. Like, I think he would be uh, someone who would deal what, who deals well with the media. I've talked to Evan Mobley before. He's fantastic. He's an unbelievable kid. I would obviously take, uh, I, I would take Jalen Suggs here. That's not an indictment of Evan Mobley. It's more that I think that ball handlers are more important in today's NBA. And Suggs is, Attitude of just taking games by the balls, like that—that that absolutely appeals to me.
1: And I, I don't think we should undersell the potential for Jalen Green either. They may envision totally Jalen Green on one wing, Kevin Porter on another. That could be a, a real thing too, with with his athleticism and the way he's produced against NBA pros and fringe NBA pros in the G League, and kind of closed some of the, the book on him. His his shooting has gotten a lot better. His his he's a lot more effective in the half court than I had seen previously at USA Basketball and when he was on the grassroots circuit. So he's improving too. And you could see a a team drafting second or or even you said potentially first that trades down, really intrigued by the trajectory that he's on and may continue to get on as he gets a little bit bigger and stronger too.
0: Totally agree. And I want to bring up Jalen Green in regard to Cleveland because I think that that is one of my favorite fits the more that I think about it. I think that if you pair him with Darius Garland, that's going to be absolutely awesome. Those two together just dribble, shoot, create offensive weapons in the backcourt. I think it's going to be really hard to slow those two down if Jalen Green gets the number three uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers.
1: Are you breaking up Sexland? Is Colin Sexton out then? If you're you're saying that because when I kind of looked at Cleveland third, my gut reaction was you go Evan Mobley with Jared Allen as restricted free agent and Mobley kind of a more off-the-ball impact guy that fits with Sexton sure. Garland. They can dribble, shoot, pass, and kind of do the thing. And you have an improved defense for a second straight draft after adding Isaac Coro last year who made uh, all Rookie second team. And there's uh, just a couple of different ways you can slice it. It could be more telling that if you go, based on what our order is, if if Suggs went second and Jalen, Jalen Green goes third, I'm sorry. Maybe they believe in the core, but he's more of an upgrade of what they already have. And and the free agency thing with Jared Allen, that could be a a big swing, too.
0: Look, if I was Cleveland, I would take Evan Mobley over Jalen Green. But for fun, like, I'm excited about a potential Darius Garland-Jalen Green combo. <laughs> this is what this is about. Uh, this,
1: is a, this is a fun podcast. The,
0: the thing for me is I don't want to pay Jared Allen $70 million. <laughs> like that's, I don't either. That's but, not but something possible.
1: that's... If they, if, if they do that, yeah. and then that's where you can spin your mock draft versus your big board, you can see it happening right like that but if that's you pay jared allen I, I wouldn't take jared i wouldn't do jared allen and evan mobley would you does that pair work
0: well enough? no not at all I, I would take evan mobley and then like try and sign and trade jared allen somewhere like could you sign and trade him to boston or something like that or could you sign and trade him uh, well, to i don't know uh you know toronto because uh, cause they could really use a center, right? At number four. Uh, right. I, I'm just like trying to come up with random ideas here, right? But I, I think that that is their best long-term foundational move because it still allows for future flexibility with Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, Isaac Okoro, and Evan Mobley. Uh, it, it keeps the cap a little bit cleaner long-term. Having said that, if you... Do this with jalen green you probably have to move colin sexton the other problem is you probably need to move sexton anyway before paying him like i, I don't think i want to pay both colin sexton and darius garland big money extensions right. so th- this is why i don't really love what cleveland has done over the last few years they've really backed themselves into a weird position it's not a hole it's just a it's hard to navigate in a lot of ways and i think that the best front offices tend to operate from a position of strength and from flexibility. Whereas Cleveland now, I don't think they're operating from a position of weakness because they still have Colin Sexton for another year before he hits restricted free agency. And they still have Darius Garland for two more years. And uh, you know, Jared Allen is a restricted free agent. So they hold the cards there, but they now have to make their choices this summer as opposed to, being able to roll it over into next summer. And that gets complicated, I think, in terms of uh, it could back you into a corner to make a decision that may not be the best long-term.
1: Yeah, it expedited the process, certainly. And at least with Isaac Coro, too, the, his defense, and there were moments where he had all NBA-level defense during the year. And like most rookies, he took his lumps, and he want a little bit more offensively out of him. But at least that was, a, a, to me, a solid pick where it was in the draft and you can yell and say Halliburton was a guy or or whatever but it wasn't Obi Toppin where he he wasn't as impactful on the court that Isaac Cora was so if you have him can get Mobley you shore up your D you don't have to pay Jared Allen that probably helps your cap a little bit there too
0: totally 100% agree I'm just very uh, I'm very interested in what Cleveland does now because there's there are so many different things There's so many different ways that they could go here. They could continue down the road of Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. They could give Colin Sexton an extension uh, and lock him in long-term money-wise. They could give Jared Jared Allen an extension and lock him long-term money-wise. Like, I think that's a terrible idea to lock those two in under big money uh, and basically set yourself up to where you never have cap space. But if you're Cleveland, (laughs) like, that's a weird choice, right? Uh, You don't always have free agents looking to go there so maybe you do want to lock yourself in because you think that there are better opportunities via the trade market long term i'm not convinced that colin sexton and jared allen will be wanted by enough teams to where they will have commensurate value with what their statistical production is but it's it's just a difficult to navigate deal i think right
1: it is and they can build like you said through trades or, or through the draft and you're still in a great opportunity to draft third overall and draft we said has five maybe more potential all-stars and you have your pick after the first two and that's why even when you slide down to the raptors at four it, it'll like they got to be kind of sitting in the wings here waiting to see who that guy is because there's some great fits there too that uh may fit better than others depending on who's off the board
0: yeah and speaking of Toronto Toronto is in like the best they're not in the best spot the best spot would be number one or number two or number three but they're in a really advantageous spot right now because all three of Jalen Green Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley make an immense amount of like sense for them yes Uh, absolutely Evan Mobley fills their biggest positional need at center Jalen Suggs and Fred Van Vliet would be an incredible combination in the backcourt. And then on top of it, Jalen Green is just pure offense and they could use a pure offensive creator. Like Toronto's just going to be able to sit back and do whatever, take whoever falls to them.
1: Totally agree. You have Pascal Siakam, Fred Van Vliet locked in through 23-24, OG anobi through 24-25, have some faith in Gary Trent Jr., which you did last year. That's the foundation, what works around him. I saw it as a home run if somehow Jalen Suggs slips there. You pair him with Fred Van Vliet, it fits the intensity, the focus of the team, culture, makeup. But I also agree with you that if it's Mobley or Jalen Green, they're not complaining with those either because those guys fit into what they're lacking. Like I don't think they necessarily have three holes, but it plugs uh, a big one or maybe two of them by adding a guy like this.
0: It's absolutely going to fill a hole for them, and then they have some real potential cap space this summer too if kyle lowry walks and if kyle lowry walks uh that could easily allow them to fill the center position like i I have this crazy idea of them maybe trying to go and steal john collins from atlanta um Mm Like That that would be the most fun person, I think, to put in that front court because of his ability to dribble, pass, shoot, and uh, not really pass, but dribble and shoot and play out (laughs) of pick and roll and everything. Uh, And he'd be really good next to Pascal Siakam defensively because Siakam can kind of handle some fives. OG Ananobi can handle some fives. That would just be a really fun, creative way to go about things. Uh, it, It would require Atlanta not to pay John Collins, which... I'd be pretty surprised based off of the playoffs if they weren't willing to. But nonetheless, uh, I think that it's Toronto is one of my favorite teams to watch this summer because there are so many different ways that Masai Ujiri can go. And this is all while having a team that I think makes the playoffs next year now that they have the number four overall pick.
1: Don't disagree. And I just kind of see that backcourt of Suggs and Van Vliet if it's so one tries baseline, hit opposite corner action, they're in a pick and roll, they hit Pascal Schiakam in the dunker spot. There's just a lot of different options there that could be uh, advantageous to, to the way they want to play and just keep on coming downhill at you with two attacking guards like that. Or if it's Jalen Green coming off a, a skip pass and cutting down the lane and dunking on top of anybody, that doesn't hurt either.
0: No, it absolutely does not. Uh, any other big takeaways here in the lottery? Uh, or just from what happened tonight uh we've got minnesota having lost its pick we've got chicago officially having lost its pick uh the golden state warriors have two lottery picks the orlando magic have two lottery picks
1: the warriors uh, a little bit i think in in my basketball gods hopes i would dreamed of seeing kate cunningham somehow play with steph curry and clay thompson i think his assist numbers would be crazy and and anyone says that not that he can't pass folks kind of knocking the turnovers and he had kind of a lower assist rate just based on the pieces around him at oklahoma state i think those discussions would be done once and for all but does golden state package those picks for kind of a a guy right now because if you're at seven i don't know as much as i like a guy like davion mitchell i don't know if that necessarily adds a a ton of wind shares to what you're doing they probably need a, a piece as steph curry clay thompson Draymond green are all getting older to win more right now
0: can, can i mention the guy that i think would be most fun for them
1: you're gonna say scotty barnes aren't you
0: i'm actually not but that's a really good one Ooh.
1: uh okay
0: i i don't think he gets to seven uh james book i think would be incredible there you put him in between steph curry and clay thompson just with how creative he is off the bounce and how shifty he is, how tough he is at the basket. Uh, all of that space at the rim. I mean, he'd finish and put pressure on the defense in such a real way for them, I think. And they were missing that this year when Stephen Curry was off the court.
1: Interestingly enough, when I was doing my kind of quick takes as our, our phones were blowing up with, with friends and, and comrades saying who goes here, who was there. When I had 14, just the way it kind of shook out, I thought maybe book night could slip. And if you're 14 in golden state, you can take a real gamble there with a guy like book Knight added to whoever you get at seven or you can buy into usman garuba as kind of poor man's draymond and then draymond can can be the you know the master teacher for both james wiseman and usman garuba at the same time uh adding another score would would definitely be a priority i just see more of their general manager and Bob Myers putting stuff together to try to get a more of a veteran presence
0: it's interesting you know Bob Myers talked to the media uh, earlier I think it was maybe late last week or early this weekend or something like that and he, he certainly didn't rule out the potential of a trade but he did it seemed like kind of throw water on the idea that they're definitely moving these picks you know what I mean because I feel sure. like that's something that everyone has thought for a while they're the most likely team to trade and move Um, but he also said you know 31 minutes ago I don't think it'll be a situation where we're trying to develop players at the risk of losing so you know like I think that anyone that they like I think that anyone that they take is going to have to be someone that they think can step in immediately and play. And I think Booknight can step in immediately. You mentioned Garuba. I think Garuba can step in and play immediately. Davion Mitchell can step in and play pretty quickly. So if they keep these picks, I think that that's going to be kind of the number one overriding thing franz wagner uh he's someone that i think could step in pretty quickly and play just given his basketball iq defensively particularly so that to me is what i would look at with the warriors like are there guys that they could draft that can step in and play immediately um i'm not totally sure on that uh, to be honest and i think that they should explore the trade market
1: and you're saying more of a they're they're more comfortable drafting older you talk to some teams they don't like guys who are 22 23 because they're worried about where they kind of go down the line so davion mitchell for them at seven maybe they're not as scared because you want somebody to produce right here right now whereas keon johnson's 19 years old you don't want to wait josh giddy is you know better than me 18 or 19 years old they don't want to wait 18 yeah yeah. So taking a, an older guy, maybe early at, at seven or, or taking one of those guys later at 14 could not be like the wildest thing in the world.
0: Yeah. So the Warriors, I think, are the real move team outside of the top four. It's worth mo- no, uh, mentioning Orlando as well. They have five and eight. Orlando does tend to love these super long athletes. And at five, they're likely going to have both Scotty Barnes and Jonathan Kaminga there which is funny for a number of reasons uh they are the most jeff weltman john hammond prospects ever both like plus six plus seven wingspans and athletes (laughs) can they
1: draft both at the same time (laughs) oklahoma city's gonna be like we're gonna take whoever you weren't so how do you get both of them
0: oh my god uh if they end up with both scotty barnes and jonathan Kaminga, i will never stop laughing
1: I just I I don't think so. I, I feel like Scotty Barnes to Oklahoma City at six makes a lot of sense. He feels like a, a Sam Presty guy. Uh Kaminga probably more at, at five, I would I would guess, because you have guards in in Markel Fultz and Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton was better later than the year. It dealt with the injuries to Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz. You you got Wendell Carter in the trade. Gary Harris has a year left on his deal. It it does feel very magic-y that it would be one of those two, but just if I I had to make a a judgment call, I'd say Kaminga at five and Scotty Barnes at six, Oklahoma City.
0: I think that's true, and I think that's probably what will happen. You know, more and more people are considering, okay, what if Jonathan Kaminga isn't number five? Because I I feel like he's kind of had that spot locked down for a little while now. And I, I think that that's the one where people are like, well, maybe, maybe it's not Kaminga more so than the top four, you know, or more so than Cade at one. Uh, I, I feel like that's where the, okay, are we are we sure that this hasn't just been groupthink that Kaminga is five? I think like, that's where that lack of confirmation bias is starting to come in.
1: I see that. And after one or two G League and night games, I thought about putting him first and then the jumper kind of crept away I said I should not put him first but maybe a guy it Franz Wagner is is could make sense there even though he's probably too close positionally to Jonathan Isaac but to so what you're saying if Kamiga's not the fifth guy who is it is it Franz Wagner is it Keon Johnson moves up I mean his range seems to kind of be all over the place right now do they go crazy and act and- another big guard in Josh Giddey. I don't think they'd reach for a a Jalen Johnson there, but I wouldn't be totally shocked if he somehow slips up in the top 10.
0: Yeah, no, I I mean, I'll I'll just say I do have Josh Giddey going to Orlando at 8 in the mock that I just filed because I I feel like the thing that they need in the backcourt, they have a scorer in Cole Anthony, scorer in RJ Hampton. Markel Fultz is more just in the way his brain is aligned. I think he would rather try and drive and score than try and make plays and pass then on top of it if you go kuminga kuminga is definitely a scorer although he showed some interesting passing things this year i think that he's more wired to score as well uh it feels like to me that they could use just like an unselfish connector passer more than anything which is why i did giddy at eight
1: that's for sure it'd just be a little bit of a crowded backcourt with the guys they have but if their scouts have gone over there and see it and there's been some workout videos circulated him too. The jumper looks a little bit better and moving a little bit quicker and a little bit more twitchier than than maybe that's a guy that can fit with the players they had and just more of an upgrade and not plugging a hole per se. Can
0: we uh, can we just do five quick minutes on the combine? Too, uh,
1: absolutely. Which which one we want to start? Uh, we want to start with the the G League Night Combine or the the measurements of Doom that we got today from the NBA Combine.
0: <laughs> let's let's start with the elite uh, the elite Combine real quick, just because I don't think it's going to take too long. Uh, the evaluators that were there that I talked to in Chicago, because obviously I'm over here in Melbourne, I'm just texting and calling people. The, the impression that I got from them was that the talent group there this year did not impress quite as much as the 2019 group did
1: yes that, that, that was fair and while i i saw and heard similar things i also didn't feel like there was guys that were necessarily left off the board like i couldn't believe they didn't take these 10 guys and, and took these 10 ones you could argue for a player or two but overall i thought it was kind of like the names like those are the guys that should have been there for 90 of them
0: yeah, totally. I mean, I I think there were only five or six guys that I was like, oh, wow, why did that guy get an invite? I, I just think it's more that this draft doesn't have a crazy wild amount of depth. Uh, when I look at it, I, I it's... it's I, I'm trying to figure out like how many guys are going to have two way <laughs> grades, and I'm just not sure, right? right?
1: Yeah, and, and it's just a, it's it's a weird setting too. It was such sloppy play to start, and it was it was kind of crazy because everyone's trying to show things that they aren't. And I thought Carly Jones was awesome the first game because he was just Carly Jones. You have. All these bigs were pure fives trying to show that they can shoot from three and guys trying to go off the dribble and carly jones just played out pick a roll hit open shots and he looked great he got a call up to the actual combine and you saw the athleticism and guys like aaron wiggins he looked like uh, an nba player with with his size and length on the wing when guys he's shooting on the top are six foot three it's like those type yep. of things where, where guys weren't trying to do too much and just play their game and not oh my god i got i got t- two games to show that I should be in the main combine. This is what I actually do when I was caged up in college. You could see mentally that the guys were just all over the place.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's what Dwayne Washington did, and Dwayne Washington ended up earning his way into the combine. That's what Mac McClung did, and I, I didn't really like what I saw from Mac McClung in the five-on-five, if we're going to be honest. Um, it Really, you just set yourself up for okay, if I'm making shots, I'm going to look really good. If I'm not making shots, I'm going to look terrible. Like, kind of deal. And if I'm somewhere in the (laughs) middle, and if I'm somewhere in the middle, like Mac McClung was, where it's not like he shot terribly. Like, I think he was 5 for 11, and I forget what he was in the second game. But, like, you just don't make an impact elsewhere. I I thought that someone even like Eugene Omoruyi, who defended his ass off and played really hard and didn't seem in the first game, like he needed to have the ball in his hands. I thought that, that guy was super impressive in the G league elite camp. And then the second game, he took like 15 shots. And I thought he was less impressive in that game because he was just <laughs> right, in the right. second half kind of out there chucking. So it was, you know, he, he had 15 points and five rebounds or something in the second game. And the stat sheet looked great, but you yeah, know Eugene Marui's NBA role is going to be hey crash defend play hard play physically I want guys who know what their role is going to be
1: yeah don't shoot one for six from three and six for 15 overall and it, it, it definitely felt that second game he was stat chasing at times with leak outs and the first game, Omar really looked a little bit out of place offensively, then made some hustle plays, got himself back into it. But it, it is just, you, you have to play what your role would be. And even like a guy, Sean D. Brown, didn't have crazy eye-popping numbers. He is two for seven for five points that second game, but he just did those touch and slip screens for baskets. He was a little bit better all-ball defender that I gave him credit for. He turned the point guard, for some bad shots. He rebounded well. It wasn't a ton of flash, but just solid overall in the way he played within himself. In a good way.
0: Yeah, no, I I agree with that. I thought he was probably one of the seven or so most impressive guys there. Uh, I I thought that Wiggins and Carly Jones, like you mentioned, really stood out. Uh, I don't know that Dwayne Dwayne Washington just is who he is, right? Um, Yes. AJ Lawson, I thought, popped athletically. I thought Delano Banton really popped, to be honest.
1: Delano Yes, especially that second game. That first game, he was 0-5, and maybe part of it was he had the wrong jersey on. They, like, duct-taped the name of his back. I don't know if they right. spelled it wrong or what it was. It was like, this is this is not a great start. And he played off the ball a lot. I and mean, he's at his best when he has the ball in his hands, kind of orchestrating the offense. And he just it, the first game, it wasn't there. Then the second game, he gets a quick basket after going scoreless the night before. Or he got to play more of that lead guard role, which allowed him to showcase those tools that made him so appealing at nebraska and just really an exceptional feel instincts instead of kind of pre-planning decisions not a pick and roll he he lets the play develop and he had eight points 13 rebounds five assists i didn't realize he had as many rebounds until i saw the box score after because he just does it within the way the game is and they're not the loudest but i like the size i like this length he was uh, another guy that i thought was one of the best four or five there
0: yeah, again, just a guy who played his role and did what his role would be in the NBA, right? Like that guy, I thought was pretty impressive. Uh, it looks like there's only four guys that got the call up to the big in to the big combine, right?
1: Uh, I think it was four. Yes, uh, Ben did not correct. I it was uh, it was Carly Jones, Dwayne Washington, Wiggins, and Lawson. Is that right? That's
0: that's the four I've seen. Um, yes, I think so too yeah I'm not totally sure if those are the only guys I think part of it will depend on like it does anyone drop out like Matthew Mayer dropped out of the combine uh, to go back to Baylor and then you know Isaiah Jackson and Dayron Sharp and Cam Thomas also are not going to be the combine I don't know if they were anticipating playing five on five or not so I'm not I think that some of it will depend on like does anyone drop out of five on five tomorrow you would think right
1: Right. Maybe a few guys are still hanging out in the hotel waiting for the call. What was your take on Kofi Coburn out there?
0: I thought he didn't look quite as in shape as he was at Illinois this year. Uh, He was like, I don't want to say laboring, but like by the third game or whatever or not by the third game by like his third stint on the court and like by the fourth minute that he was on the court like he seemed a little bit tired maybe it was the up-tempo nature of the game like adjusting to that 24 second shot clock versus 30 more spread out everything like that it, it was weird to me
1: yeah a little bit i thought he looked and he still enormous but I thought he looked a little bit leaner but I agree just ran out of gas early maybe it's because he's he's defending a little bit more and rolled a little bit out of pick and roll harder than he normally was I liked his energy level he he did change ends as fast as he could he cleaned up around the basket and it just, it was turned off a little bit, even the way he defended Jay Huff. Just, he gave him so much space, and you're not going to be able to do that with shooting fives. And Jay Huff didn't shoot the ball great, but he got off the shots when he wanted to. Had 13 rebounds. Drivers do think twice, but going to the paint when he's there, but still kind of more of the same prospect that, that I saw this season at Illinois.
0: Yeah, I agree. Like, he'll probably be somewhere in the 70s for me. Like, this didn't, like, move him up or anything. It it, it helped Wiggins. It helped Carly Jones. Like, those are two guys that really, you know, helped themselves and moved up. I will say, like, there, there are a few guys that, like, hurt themselves. Like, I've been a fan of Matt Mitchell. I thought Matt Mitchell was bad over those two games. Um, I, I did not think, like, Derek Alston made shots, but just how slow the release was, I, I didn't think it was very good. Um, and then today we had the measurements apocalypse. I, I just want
1: to... <laughs> There's some good ones, though. There's an apocalypse. There's a couple good ones we should talk about.
0: Like, guys, the, Sharif Cooper is not six foot four. i mean
1: internet tells us so and they're going nuts with that maybe he's on his tippy toes i don't know six four seems really ambitious if you told me six two i'd say "Eh, maybe but i don't think six three and a half without shoes that's that's not right
0: like we have images of him standing next to bruce pearl like this year and he bruce pearl i mean you've stood next to bruce pearl like bruce is what not six four yeah i I was gonna gonna say like six foot maybe six yeah yeah. yeah, like maybe, maybe somewhere between like, you know, 5'10 and 6 foot. You know, maybe I don't think he's over 6 foot, right? And Sharif Cooper is maybe his height, like maybe a touch taller than Bruce Pearl. So, I, I mean, look, 19-year-old, like I guess he could have grown, but that would be hell of timing for a growth spurt. <laughs>
1: like, well, I will say, I will say this to, to make it all about me. I grew two or three inches my freshman year of college. So it's possible. I don't know if Sharif Cooper, based on the the videos and stuff from the scene and the pictures, but it is possible. I, I also, we laughed about it. It's probably just an error. Somebody just probably entered it in wrong and hit send and people are going nuts about it. And if you look, and I don't know if it's been updated on the website, he just did. The, the height, and I was laughing, thinking about, I wonder if somebody said you're six, three and a half He said, shutting it down. We're good. You got my size. That's right. I'm, six, I'm six, six, four.
0: So, like, there's an image I saw online of him standing next to Chris Paul, and he's Chris Paul's height. Like, I mean... That was,
1: that was last summer. He had the growth spurs in the Auburn weight room. That's just yeah. natural. Natural growing. 19.
0: If the Auburn weight room is getting guys up to six foot four from six foot tall, we got to have another <laughs> conversation another about the Auburn span. weight room. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs>
1: What's the HGH going on there? Alleged HGH, but like he was, he was one that that stood out. But a, a couple others, your favorite, Deuce McBride was six two and a half in shoes with a six eight almost six nine wingspan. I thought that one popped. Uh, Joe Wieskamp camp was six seven with a six eleven wingspan. Yep. Moses Moody was six six with seven one wingspan. So there were some positives there too.
0: Yeah, for sure. And like JT Thor confirming at a uh, what was it? It was like 7'3 seven, three, seven, three and change six, wingspan. Six, yeah, 7, wingspan.
1: Yeah, seven three point two five wingspan. Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, I'm trying to think. Kai Jones coming in at like nine two five standing reach was really big. Like standing reach is the number that is important for centers, right? Um, I, I will say Luca right. Garza coming in under nine foot standing reach was not good for him. Uh, nine foot tends to be the number for centers unless you're playing as like a small ball center. Uh, right. Luca being under nine is not great for him. Like Scotty Barnes was at nine for reference on that. Uh. You know Greg Brown, who is six foot eight and a half with a seven foot wingspan, came in at eight eleven. So that's a little bit scary, I would say. I'm excited to see. I'm excited to see these guys play. Like I I don't really care about this. Like they were out there doing calisthenics. Yeah, a a
1: little bit. You (laughs) know, like
0: like what (laughs) what are we doing The stretching and the off shooting drills. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Go play McKinley Wright. Go play. I don't care if you're seven foot ten standing reach and. Six foot tall with shoes. Like if you can play, go play. That's what I care.
1: Yeah, Dation Nick six eight wingspan. Let's see it on the defensive end.
0: Yeah, it, like, I don't, I, that's I actually
1: don't the Trey man. Good
0: with Dation though. That's one that I think is important. Like Dacian Nick's coming in at like two hundred and twenty five pounds and looking pretty in shape. Like that was important to me.
1: That was a good day one look, and we kind of had the sneak peek when. Sermon Pango's, and he worked out at impact and more nba guys saw him so he he's definitely improves himself just by showing he's he's back in shape following the g league stuff
0: yeah totally uh, i will say like jeremiah robinson earl coming in at like 6.9 with the 6.10 wingspan was not great for him um raekwon gray i was hoping was a little bit longer but not awesome that he came in at 6.11 at 6.8 uh 6'8 height 6.11 wingspan um
1: that's still at like 260 too right
0: yeah, and 17% body fat. Uh, that was mm. like me levels, I feel like. Uh, maybe a little bit, maybe a <laughs> little bit more. Yeah. Uh, um, in as, right
1: now it might be okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah. As someone who runs like four days a week, not doing what, uh, NBA basketball players do. Um, yeah. Just in general, I, I would say don't overreact to the shit. It doesn't matter if you can't play. Like Scotty Lewis finished top and like all of the measurements athletically today i, I love scotty lewis as a human being but scotty lewis was not very good in college this year and was not very good last year no. so that's ultimately the most important no, no,
1: it, thing and we and we knew we said this months ago that scotty is a spectacular athlete and i wasn't i wasn't surprised when he kind of swept everything like t- i think he tied for max vertical jump with your boy jericho sims right
0: ah, i think he I think jericho might have beat him to be honest i mean that that was that was a call Maybe the, on my the other
1: vertical it was it was a call i i actually scrolled when it first posted because i thought you meant standing reach and then it was like max vertical jump i'm like ah, i think that might have been it i think you nailed it
0: yeah 40 44 and a half uh max vertical leap that's like hamadou diallo level uh vert from jericho sims just ridiculous from him uh i think that's all we've got today like, I, I, we don't want to belabor this. The lottery happened. We'll do more of a combine deep dive the next time we podcast, which will, uh, given that I'm moving in next Monday, like I said, like, who who knows when that'll be, Matthew? Uh, when do you yeah. want it to be? Just
1: don't, 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 don't bury your podcast stuff in the, the bag of towels. Just don't lose that.
0: I'll try not to. Uh, <laughs> any movies? Have you watched any movies? Come on. Give it to me before we go. No,
1: I, I I finished watching. I'm like an episode away from finishing The Flight Attendant. That's really about it. I, I got nothing uh, nothing saucy based on the since the last podcast. I know you've probably watched about five or six, but I'm, I'm slow to kind of get caught up to speed on things.
0: No, I've only watched one or two movies. I watched Kajillionaire, uh, which came out last year with Evan Rachel Wood and Richard Jenkins and Deborah Winger. Uh, th- that was really good. That was very fun and it's like a it's like a heist movie sort of not really so that was enjoyable to me um uh, what else have i watched i also watched i almost texted you last night because i knew that you'd be laughing if i did this uh night or three no i didn't watch rush hour three um (laughs) i watched uh the night of the hunter which is like an old 1955. Yes,
1: I would have I, I would have laughed at that. Yes,
0: Robert Mitchum movie, uh, like <laughs> one of the like best movies ever made, quote unquote, whatever that means, right? Uh, and I hadn't seen it before, so I watched it and I was like, okay, this is fine.
1: <laughs> like, did it live up to its billing? Is the biggest question.
0: I'll be honest. I fell asleep because it was like 11:30, and That's I've been working for 12 hours. So, <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> what can we so do? Not here? the best movie ever made. It's it's no Fast Nine.
0: It's to be honest. It probably is like on level with Fast Nine.
1: <laughs> I will say, with there. I don't know if that's a positive uh, endorsement.
0: I can't, I can't talk about Fast Nine yet because it hasn't come out no, and doesn't come out for another right. three days yet. And I've seen it. I saw it like almost a week ago. Now it's hard to not talk about. Um, what an enjoyable little. Uh,
1: just, just don't, just don't be time. the guy that ruins it on Twitter. I mean, there's certain times in life where I turn off notifications for certain people, especially during the draft. I don't want to have to turn yours off for for movie takes yeah. before I can actually see that in theaters.
0: Can't do it. Can't do it. All right, Penny. Tell the people where they can find your work.
1: I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny. We'll be ramping up here with the draft getting closer uh, by the day, really. And luckily, we have the combine, a lot of combine stuff to end this week, Thursday and Friday. So I'm sure we'll have more content next week as well
0: all right this has been the game theory podcast please remember rate review subscribe do everything you can to support the show we'll be back next week with more but until next time we'll talk soon bye